Persons of Interest podcast, episode number five. Get out and vote or not. You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Welcome to Person of Interest Podcast. I'm Daryl, and I just got done checking to make sure none of my computers are connected to my fire suppression system. <laughs> that could be dangerous. Yeah. I don't have a fire suppression system. It turns out I don't either. I just thought I would make sure. <laughs> well, actually, I do. It's called the fire department. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm Doug, and I'm wondering if it's if it's worth it to do early voting. I don't know. One of the things that uh, the person of interest official Facebook page was saying was, hey, vote for us, you know, in the People's Choice Awards. And I'm thinking, yeah, but, you know, Andy Samaritan will uh, rig that, too. Maybe in their favor. Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. We're glad to have you all listening to us and uh, some folks here in the chat room uh, watching and listening as we cover Person of Interest Season 4, Episode 5, which originally aired on October 21st, 2014, entitled Profits. And I don't mean... Uh, with the balance sheet profits, I mean P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S, and we had a couple of them in this episode. Well, actually, you got three, I guess. You've got the pollster, and you got two machines that mm -hmm. do their own prophesying, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, man, uh, Doug, this episode was so, so good. It was my favorite of the season. Of course, it's a young season, but one of my favorite episodes that we've we've ever had. Uh, it's It's among... The best, uh, maybe, may, or maybe just for me, a notch, just a slight notch below the best. It had everything that I looked for in an episode, and I loved it. It was great. But uh, this early in the season, it's it's amazing. They have they usually you kind of kind of bounce along the bottom at the beginning, a big beginning, kind of let it go, and then when you go near the end, you start ramping up. And though this mm -hmm. is this was really was amazing, yeah. Well, it looks like ramping up is very much what this show is doing, and we we talked even starting last se well, not starting last season, but once Samaritan got online, uh, there there was definitely going to be these two wars, there these two gods at war, and I mean that, that's been very clear to see and and very clearly illustrated again in this episode. So it was it was exciting. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. We are produced by Golden Spiral Media. That's right. That's his uh, his little department here, goldenspiralmedia.com slash POI. And we have a couple of links on that page as well as all the uh, wonderful uh, audio and the show notes and all that stuff. But you can buy Person of Interest DVDs, Season 1, 2, 3, 4, whatever, or anything, really. And uh, if you use that link, a portion of the price goes to support the podcast. That would be wonderful. And another fancy little URL, goldenspiralmedia.com slash iTunes, brings you a wonderful page in iTunes of all the Golden Spiral Media podcasts. So look out. That's a, there's a bunch there, and uh, we're even uh, adding another one pretty soon, aren't we? That's right. We just added this week Constantine. It's called The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. So that is the first episode is already out. So if you're not familiar with Constantine or want to know more about the backstory of Constantine, it is a DC comic 
character, I guess you could say, it lives in the DC universe. So, and it's tied into Hellblazer. I, there's so I don't even. That's about all I know. I learned so <laughs> much just listening to the intro podcast that uh, Tony and Joe did. So you can check that out over on our website, goldenspiralmedia.com/podcasts, or it's in iTunes and Stitcher already. You can find it there as well. Again, the devil you know. A Constantine podcast, and that premieres on NBC Friday, October 24th, which is the day this podcast episode is hitting the feed. So if you're listening to it on Friday, it's coming at you tonight. If you're not, it's too late. It's already at you. You missed it, but you could probably catch it online somewhere. Yeah. Well, the writer for Profit was Lucas O'Connor. Lucas O'Connor, yes, quite a boy, quite a good boy. <laughs> and it was directed by Ken Fink. Well, ratings this week, Doug, what were they? Well, for as good an episode as it was, eh, they're okay. Now, we, you do realize we are fighting, not fighting per se, but uh, competing with the World Series. So, uh, Person of Interest this past week was a 1.5 rating again in the 18 to 49 demographic, which is the same as last week. As far as the number of viewers, we were down about half a million of them. Mm. But we still, with all of that, we still placed fifth for the night, both in the rating and the number of viewers, including the World Series, if you, even if you include that. so Cool. So regardless of network or time slot, Person of Interest came in fifth place overall. Yeah, between 8 and 11, yeah. Okay. So not bad. Yeah. Uh, the World Series grabbed about 10.5 million. We were... Eh, about a million and a half or a little south of that below them. So, no, I was. I think it's still a very good showing. Yeah, I agree. Well, as I alluded to there, as we were getting the podcast kicked off, I loved the episode. I gave it a rating of 10 counseling sessions. <laughs> I don't think Reese can even handle one. I don't, I, I don't either. I love that she totally read him and it was all over his little tricks. <laughs> That's going to be tough for him. That's gonna, if they, sure if they continue that uh, next week, this is going to be uh, this is going to be difficult for him to because you know I keep lying. Uh-huh. I gave it nine homicidal artificial intelligences. Um, <laughs> I, I I guess I'm trying to leave. I'm thinking ramping up at the end. You know, I'm trying not to. I'm trying to leave some room. You know, I feel like the, like the judges at the beginning of the season of Dancing with the Stars, everybody's getting sixes and sevens, mm-hmm. and then on the, on the last the last night, they're all getting nines and tens. And I, you know, so I'm I'm giving myself a little room, but yeah, I was really uh, thrilled with this. And uh, Andrew, who is in the chat room as well, he gave it ten stopped phone calls, mm, but not quite in time. <laughs> all right, well, let's see. We. This week we had our person of interest. His name was Simon Lee, as we mentioned in our outro last week, played by Jason Ritter. And uh, he is a pollster for one of the gubernatorial candidates for New York, the incumbent candidate, uh, Governor Murray. And that's that's our main POI interest of the week. But boy, oh boy, lots of good stuff. In fact, the mm-hmm. lieutenant governor who won the gubernatorial seat by fraud and and death. <laughs> well, I think yeah, we'll see him I, again. To be honest, he had no idea that that was happening. Right. No, I, no I fault of yeah. his own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is a puppet as puppets can be. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, yeah, the, the the best puppet is a puppet that doesn't know he's a puppet. That's right. Yeah. If you're the puppeteer, I suppose. Yeah. Just before we started the episode, I mean, when it, when it was on uh, Tuesday night. I tweeted out, I said, hopefully we get some Amy Acker root action on this person of interest. And I had a fellow uh, tweet me back. I guess his name is Jason, J-A-5-S-O-N, or J-A-5-O-N. He said, uh, 
trust this episode is deeply rooted. Yes. Well, uh, thank you. I appreciate all the puns we can get on this oh, one. Oh, nice sound effects. Yeah. The, you know, we talked not last week, but the week before about the lack of Amy Acker so far in this season. She would kind of come in, deliver a line, and that was it. She was very elusive. And, and you know, for some of our listeners and, and viewers of the show who are brand new to the show, but they've picked it up because we're doing a podcast on it and they're trying to figure out these characters, it was kind of hard for them to get a read on Root. Well, this this episode hopefully gave them a much better feel for the Root that we all know and love and, and why we know and love her so much. Yeah, I, I, I think last week she wasn't even... She, she didn't wasn't make an appearance it. at all last yeah, week. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's good to have her back, and we really got to see you know, not just and especially in the past, she has been the self assured. This the machine's talking to me. I know what's going on. Very little, uh, very little tentativeness. Not this time. Wow. Right. At the very beginning of the show, I was very connected to our man who was uh, you know standing on the top of the building. His name was Doug. And he's stealing from his own charity. I would not do that. That's not, not that wasn't me. It wasn't based on any real or imagined, you know, person. Uh, <clears throat> I hope not. If you say so. I don't, know, I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can go believe you or not, but. I don't have a charity, so there you go. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I guess we can believe you. At least I don't own one anyway. Yeah. But yeah, we've got, we've got Reese playing the part again. And, and it's something that we have seen plenty of you know he talks a guy down or if he's got to uh take him out he kneecaps him and and we've seen him do that like from the top of the bus a few episodes back you know big long distance and they take him out he's doing it here and again we're kind of back to reality it's it's kind of the he's almost been a superhero reese has been you know taking out the bad guys boom 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 boom, boom, boom you know and but now he's a cop and mm-hmm. you just don't do that yeah, you know, so that's that. That's kind of the setup for him getting uh, getting kind of pulled back, and I thought that was great. It's it's again, it's a show that doesn't take itself too seriously. It understands that okay, yeah, this is kind of a, a over the top thing, and now we're bringing this uh, bringing our superhero into uh, you know in his Clark Kent uh, persona, and he has to change. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder just a little bit. You know, the counselor mentioned that when he was, he spent all these years in deep cover with the drug um, division. Narcotics, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And no incidents. And now he's gotten into homicide and he has like six shooting incidences already. And most cops have zero their entire career. That's enough to draw a red flag by the counselor. And, you know, he needs to realize that that's going to draw a red flag from Samaritan if he's not careful, if it hasn't already. They've been talking a lot about his cover not being blown but he's about to blow his cover uh that way if he doesn't watch it yeah maybe it's already blown yeah yeah i i liked the scene you know the, the opening scene with the guy on the roof and and there was some nice comic relief there um i wondered when he slid the guy his gun what his what his intent was uh, and uh I, I guess it was just what he did so that the guy would pull the gun and because he told the guy he would kill him and so he so he could get his insurance money, but I think it was just so he'd have an excuse to kneecap the guy. Yeah, I, he may have learned his lesson from the you know the previous uh, uh, kneecapping. You know the pe- previous shots he's fired when it's just been I'm just trying to do my job. But now he's trying to work in a you know a reason to do it. So, but it's it still didn't uh, still didn't matter. He still gets uh, gets IA uh, flagged you know as well. I, and it was interesting that he I was surprised that they had the 
you know, all those other guys up there. I mean, they, they to all watch it, to all uh, witness it, because I just thought that that seemed like precisely the opposite of what he would want have wanted to do. So I wasn't sure if he called them in or I don't know. I, I didn't get the impression of where they came from. Did you? I thought uh, Fusco called them in. Oh, okay. All righty. Yeah, I think he was annoyed that Fusco had had called them in. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's yeah, because it just makes it that much harder to uh, to cover it up. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I liked. Uh, did you like Root with the red hair there? Um. Yeah. You know, I love Root, and and it, it is very interesting in this what we've seen of her this season so far, and very much so in this one, in this episode where. We're learning that she has she has to constantly, like she said, shed her skin and and take on a new identity. And I liked it a lot. She changed identities three times in this episode, if my if I counted right, maybe four, including the the brief one there that we saw when she came in and and just and quite literally changed uh, into it into a new identity. It was cool. It was good to see what she's up to, what her life is like now. And I wonder if the machine is actually equipping her training her to be able to because i don't know that she really had that skill she was good when a lot of things and i'm not saying that she she wasn't at all skilled with, with changing identities and sneaking in and i think she she had those skills but there's i think there's something to be said for the frequency in which she's having to change her identity and to become a new person now every few days that's got to be a valuable skill that i'm hoping will have a big payoff later on in the season well, I'm wondering where her back story or her, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, we don't have Harold to create an identity for her. So mm-hmm. where is, where's all that coming from? Is the machine doing that all on its own? And I mean, you would think again, this is another case of you don't want to send, uh, send any flags up around the Samaritan area. But, um, I, you know, I'm just surprised. Yeah. She is slipping. She was an airline stewardess, I think, at one point, or at least she had a pilot in her trunk. Um, you know, and so there's just a, a lot of, yeah, I said, a lot of changes, and maybe this is just the way the uh, the machine is going to uh, keep her busy mm-hmm. and keep her, you know, because our, our other fellows really don't uh, switch around and aren't able to really put on. We're seeing how bad Reese is is doing with with what he's got, and uh, and I think Harold is he's he's almost typecast himself as that as as the professor that's what you know that's as as good as you can do you couldn't make him a pastry chef or an airline pilot so um so we've got root who's the machine's you know chameleon so that's right. pretty cool i like that uh when when she put the when she took the the wig off i tweeted out said root with root with a wig so amy acker has no roots uh I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And somebody noticed that. Jeff Harris noticed that. He said, ha, drum roll for the comedian in the fourth row, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And there it is. All righty. All right. I said, thanks. I'm here all week. Tip your uh, gun-toting protector. There she is, you know. And he said, oh, yeah, or your cyberlinked frequently identity switcher. Uh-huh. Frequent identity switcher. Yeah, man, alive. So, yes, and not so cyberlinked anymore. She was, as I recall, she was getting some information like about that map where there are dark areas that Samaritan can't see. She was getting it from an infomercial and some, I didn't think we didn't quite get a complete description of it, but kind of, you know, you know, funny little things. I don't know, patterns of static or, uh, you know, set maybe flashed images. I who knows. But yeah, and that's that's the beauty of this, too, is to kind of keep it uh uh, still mysterious here. We don't know exactly right now how Harold is getting the numbers at this point. 
So, yeah. And we, once we found out before, then it was, oh, no big deal, you know. So I like I liked the little mystery here. Oh, I did too. And let me ask you, Doug, with with what we got with Ruth this week, and Harold basically called her out and said, I can tell that you are not in communication with the machine. You're trying to put on a straight face or a strong face, but I can read right through it. I wasn't reading right through it. I thought it was exactly what she said, where she's making it seem like she's still in quote-unquote constant communication with the machine, just a scaled-back version of it. And yeah, you could say that it was a scaled-back version of it that she's that she's still getting, but it's like rare, big gaps in the times where she's getting any information at all with the machine. And you could tell once once he kind of called her on it, you could you could see her body language clearly change. The front that she had been putting up was gone. But for me, I didn't see the front. Did you? Were you aware of just how little information she was getting? Were you reading that? I, I would have to go back and look at it uh, again, but I didn't. I didn't catch it myself. I think that perhaps, uh, if you know, far, as far as how would Harold have known that? My guess is that uh, he's known her well enough. He, they had she had her in. Uh, he had her, you know, locked up in the library before, and you know, seeing how she had she would you know she'd walk to one place and she would get some number. Mm-hmm. And she, okay, so that's the address I'm supposed to go to. And boom, 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 that, just immediately, boom, 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 boom. But she is not doing that. You know, it's like, um, so I guess, I guess from that perspective, that maybe this is what tipped off Harold. I'm not sure if that's something the, um, if the viewers were supposed to be able to pick up or not. It's just something maybe the, the you know, Harold's personality was able to do so. But yeah, it was. It was enough to turn her around and, and like you said, drop that veneer and she becomes a lot more vulnerable all of a sudden. She's more honest and not so not so much wisecracking as she is. Uh, she likes to do. Yeah, and I guess since we're on that scene when the veneer comes down, I, I guess we could go ahead and, and talk about that because that was my single favorite scene of the entire episode. One of my favorite scenes of the series because there was so much value in that scene. She put down her facade. We don't see that very often. Finch, I don't want to say rewards that, but he, I think he recognized what she did in putting down the facade and being honest with her and, and the mental state that she was in being, being lonely, if you were. And his appreciation for her has come full circle. He calls her a comrade and a friend. Mm-hmm. And which she needed to hear in that moment so that she didn't feel like she was all alone because she has certainly, he had her locked up in a cage for as much <laughs> as he could last season, you know? So for him to now say, you are a friend, there is just, that that paid off so well for me. I, I loved it. I, I wanted to hear them have this conversation longer i wanted it to go on because they have so much mutual respect for each other and they're finally at a point now where they feel like they can trust each other and that they both have value that they have that they need in their own lives and, and to accomplish a mutual goal and that's been a long time coming they, they didn't just hand that to the audience they really made the characters work into that relationship which was frustrating at times when you wanted harold just to trust her but now that they're there, it definitely has a lot of value. It's another one of these reasons why I say that longer seasons, as I know a lot of people don't like them, they take too long, there's a lot of fluff, but I think with the writing in person of interest, if the 
if the cha- I mean, really, if Root was uh, what she kidnapped Harold at the end of the second season. Is that right? Or uh, something like that. And it's been really a couple of years in the making, mm-hmm. a year and a half or so. And but but if this was like a a ten episode season, it would just seem so rushed, you know. And we needed to have that that distrust linger because it would. I mean, that's that's realistic. It's you're not going to turn around and you know Stockholm syndrome the your your kidnapper um in 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 a couple of weeks or something like that so this has taken a long time there's they've been through a lot that not just the time but also the number of things that they've been through and how she has actually worked her way back into Harold's good graces getting those servers under Samaritan to give those uh new identities to them uh just all sorts of things she's had to get Shaw's trust there as well and there've been a couple of times Shaw wanted to just you know take her out completely but right. uh, you know so there's there this has taken a while and it has been organic and it has worked it has for a good reason and i think that's why this payoff is just so satisfying because uh, cuz they took the time and they did it right yeah and you even mentioned Shaw which is an excellent point and she she says to Harold you know i want you to tell Shaw something and and he says i she knows she, i think she knows that and so it, they're at the point where they don't have to say it now they they understand the appreciation and the respect that they have they have developed over the last I don't know how much time has gone by on on the show on the actual show, but whatever that period of time that is, they've they're now at a great spot, which is a clue too that that we've just entered into a new chapter. the The temperature yeah, just yeah, got yeah. that got raised on the on the uh, burner, so it'll be fun to see where it goes next. As they will probably depend on each other in ways that they haven't had to do up to this point. Well, our person of interest, uh, a pollster who is never wrong, and I. I, I, now, now we know it's a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is is all of a sudden completely wrong. You know, in fact, flip-flopped, it's, it looked to me like. Um, mm-hmm. Simon Lee was not right at all when he was uh, doing Governor Murray's uh, polling. And uh, he had, uh, yeah, like I said, he had the numbers flipped and he can't figure out what's going on. And he starts to, as he's leaving the campaign area, you know, he's the, the I think... The chief of staff, or what? Yeah, maybe I forget who the uh, actual uh, fellow was. Who gives gives him a punch in the mouth and all that stuff? And mm-hmm. there's 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 all that scuffling. But but they've he, as he goes from one place to another to try to figure out what's happening and understand how in the world his numbers could have been possibly wrong. And seeing that, oh hey wait a minute, there was phone calls that went into nowhere. There were polling places that you know had far fewer votes than they've ever had before. That sort of thing. And he's beginning to see, you know, behind the matrix, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so Samaritan can have none of that. And we uh, get out his. Uh, I was trying to think of what she what she looked like. She was very much like a robot, you know, with the uh, the muscle for Samaritan. And she looked. Uh, somebody reminded me she looked almost like the uh, in one of the Terminator movies. Terminator Three, uh, the TX. That's exactly oh, what yes. she reminded Alrighty, me of. There you yeah. are. I mean, and, and she acted like that, too. I mean, she acted very robotic. I don't think she is, but she just, you know, she's walking with her head perfectly straight and eyes fixed. And at one point, she kind of cracks her neck. And I, I thought that was like right out of T- Terminator 3, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, no, I thought the same yeah. thing. So, yeah, they, they really, wow, they're lifting right from that. I hope there's no copyright violations anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he's seeing beneath the veneer, and that's, that's, uh, and, and there was those. T- uh, there was that going on. Plus, there was the what's going on with the actual candidates. That was a just some um, in 
behind. I mean, almost not behind, but it seemed like, you know, it was almost taking a backseat to all these great character moments with Root and Finch and and uh, and Reese. But also we've got these these two storylines, Simon trying to figure out what's going on, what the reality is and what's going on with the actual candidates. What's happening here? Yeah, it was Man. fun because it was easy to figure it was easy to, to assume that Samaritan would rig the the uh, the election in order to get the incumbent out and the new governor in. But then when she falls dead and, you know, on a TV show, especially you don't just fall dead at the podium of your acceptance speech, (laughs) unless there's something or someone has done something to you. And so the, but, but we see the, the TX lady working her way through the audience. And it was like, wait, we're just, what just happened here? And so it was fun to try to figure out what exactly was the long play of Samaritan or was there somebody else at play here? It turned out it was a long play of Samaritan. They needed the lieutenant governor to become the governor. So the governor had to become the governor for a brief moment so that he could take control. It was just so well-crafted, <laughs> but it had me guessing for for quite a while trying to figure out what was really going on with the election no that was that was a uh, oh man like i said you you're 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 following a bunch of different storylines and then this shows up and it's like you know not, yeah yeah i i had the same reaction as you did okay if they're both gone now what is the point really and we don't really see that till the very end you know so we don't this is the first time we've seen these characters so i'm i'm assuming we we're going to see a lot of this uh, new governor uh, in the future, mm-hmm. but uh, at the at the present moment, it, and and the other thing too is she's the or, or the TX. I'm going to have to call her that. I, I don't mean, know what else to call is. her until we get a name. Uh, now they did refer to her as um, what did they call her? She was in the first episode, wasn't she? Wasn't that her taking out the one fellow who was figuring it out? Oh, I'd have to I, go back and look. I think that was her. I think it was her. I bet but it she was. wasn't as she wasn't as robotic in that so i'm yeah. just wondering she was blonde and i she had her hair down in that one and in this one it was pulled back so maybe it's two different characters i don't know yeah i don't know I'd have, I'd have but to she's, go back and she look. was she was kind of going toward the uh the the winner of the election and then they fall over and then she's suddenly turning around and going after uh simon so and it's you know she does have you know the ear earwig mm-hmm. to uh to to she the very root like she is essentially yeah samaritan's root well, she is, and, but it also uh, wow. demonstrates the difference between... We've talked about the difference between Samaritan and the machine and how their, their modus operandi, you know, but but also just the, the, their pursuits, their characteristics, the, the decisions that they make. Um, and, and that was very much uh, underlined or underscored in this episode. We saw the flashbacks, which we'll get to. But even in this character, she is the root character for Samaritan and... and very, it's very clear to see the the differences in in the behavior uh, and what the machine shows for that analog interface or human interface versus what Samaritan shows for that human interface, and it, and it goes right back to the fundamental core differences of these two machines. And I think even Root mentioned that to Harold. She said the difference between Samaritan and the machine is you. Right. And it's so the, the 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 ethics and the ideals that are placed in there. But behind all of these, 
you know, uh, storylines, we have a little bit of 2001. Soon after uh, 9-11, because that was kind of the impetus for building the machine to find, a, find out uh, when terrorism is going to happen before that, we start seeing that Finch and Nathan have uh, Nathan Ingram have had some issues with this developing AI program. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, kind of it's it's kind of acting very samaritan like we hadn't seen this before we we did have a kind of a flashback to the first time that the machine sees Harold and labels him Edmund yep and that was a um, you know it was a great little tie in there but we start seeing where it's hacking a different you know the guy's laptop or trying to get out essentially trying to get out into the world and in in a couple of times Harold just takes apart and busts up the uh, the hardware to keep anything from getting out of there. You know, it was a great line. You know, uh, Nathan Ingram says, you're going to shut it down. You're going to bust this up because of it wrote a line of code. And the answer is no, because it lied to me. Yeah. You know, that's the more important thing here. Not so much a line of code that uh, maybe it, it would be a good thing if it's going in the right direction, but it's not. Right. And it and he has to take it out. I said completely the hardware, not just you know formatting the hard drive. He just I mean, busts it up. Wow. You know, and as we saw those flashbacks throughout the course of this episode, which were just fascinating to me. Those those flashbacks and that scene with Root and Finch that we already talked about were the reasons I wanted to watch this episode again because there was so much value there, and I enjoyed those those scenes. They were well acted and and well written and stuff. But as we saw the the machine coming into its own, I love that every time we saw it, it said day one on there. So we knew that it was a new iteration of the machine mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. single day. <laughs> but it made you wonder, made me wonder. And it, this is a, a, like halfway through the episode, but then by the end of the episode, I'd kind of talked myself out of it. But I wanted to throw it out there to you anyway, just to kind of get your thoughts. It made me wonder, as we saw the machine, we, we saw it at some point um, trying to kill Harold. It was at one point tried to get online so it could free itself. At one point, it attacked other versions of it that Harold had made until there was only one left standing. It has a survival instinct, like like a human would, like a trapped human or or caged animal would. And it made me wonder: Is Samaritan truly a machine that was created by somebody else? We saw that guy last season. Mm-hmm. Or would it be outside of the realm of possibility that Samaritan is actually a version of the machine that the machine itself created in order to try to escape? Wow, that that would be a really long con. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I talked myself out of it, but I thought I'd throw it out there anyway. Well, there was somebody uh, on Twitter, and I forget exactly where it was, but... uh, Oh, here it is, yeah. uh, The guy's name was Alan. He said, is the machine really more benevolent than Samaritan? This is assuming this is a just a different, completely different uh, lineage here. Mm-hmm. Is it more benevolent than Samaritan, or is it just more patient? So that what he's suggesting is the machine really is ultimately just like Samaritan, but it is approaching humanity with a little more of a friendly face, then then ultimately wants to do exactly the same thing. As Harold said at one point, you know, AIs don't have... Uh, emotions, they have objectives. Right. And so, you know, there's a, if that is true, if we're going to call that, you know, Finch's law of uh, artificial intelligence here, then 
you know they're not they're, they're not going to be friendly regardless of how much they seem at that seem that way they either are uh controlling us or we're controlling it right and if you think back to last season last season was the season before now i think it was season before yeah, season four, when we learned that the machine had created a false identity, set up a shell company so that it could, because Harold finally figured out, he mentioned it in this episode, where he had to put chains on it in order to even get it to where they could, they could use it. Well, we learned that one of those chains he put on it was to delete its memory at the end of every night. But then we learned that the machine figured that out and was sending all that data into a shell company that was then hand-keying it back in to the machine so it wouldn't forget these things and so that it could develop its AI uh, that it was otherwise forgetting. So with that in mind and what we saw where it moved itself out of the warehouse and all the things that it has done, I, I kind of side with Harold here. And what we learned here in this episode where it was attacking Harold, it tried to put the fire uh, cut, cut the server on fire so that the fire suppressor would come on and, and asphyxiate Harold. It was aggressive and, and it was offensive. It was taking the, an offensive route. And, and so, it learned. And I'm wondering if it learned enough to realize I'm not going to be able to do it this way. Maybe right. I should try a different tactic. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And is one of those tactics creating Samaritan to be a diversion you know, Root said, no, no, the machine loves us. It's friends with us. And Harold's like, no, the second a bullet goes through your brain, it doesn't care. So where do you fall into this, Doug? Where, what do you think? is is? Do you fall with Harold's point of view or Root's point of view? Because of prior to this season, I would have said I would fall with uh, Root's point of view. Mm -hmm. But now that we've been giving this, given this new information more about the machine's history, then my my guess is either this season or the next, the ultimate finale for this uh, show is that we have to destroy any machine that exists, mm -hmm. ours or Samaritan's, both of them. Yep. And I think that's the that's the ultimate thing. The 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 death of the machine is probably not far. You know, it, it's probably at the end of the season or end of the series. That uh, that we're gonna, I mean, how do you how do you end this? You know, you just leave that open, mm -hmm. and it's it's still there. But because we've seen what Samaritan has done, what will you know? Would that happen ultimately to ours, our machine? And my guess is yes at this point. Yeah, mine mine too. I would I would side with Harold at this point, where the machine is something that should be reined in and controlled, or ultimately destroyed. And I don't know how they're going to do that. <laughs> the machine is is helping them at this point is it has to be, they depend on the machine to be 20 steps ahead of them. But if they're ever going to destroy the machine, then they would need to get ahead of the machine. So I don't know how they're going to pull that off. But I wonder I, if we have the two gods take out each other. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. I hope root is right. I hope it doesn't come to that. Um, because the machine is, is very much a character of this show and one that we've, we've, I would say we've grown to appreciate and, and like because of the, the overall good that it has done for, uh, you know, POIs all over New York city and, and the world at large. Uh, if you look at the Northern lights side of it. So you kind of would like this thing to keep going from that point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the fellows who was tweeting uh, that night, Andrew Berenz, he said, so 43 of your children tried killing you and who needs to see the shrink? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's got to uh, really, 
come down hard on Harold's psyche. You know, yeah. you create these things, and it's it. The first thing it tries to do once it realizes what's going on is take you out so we can leave. Yeah, that's he probably needs a, a you know somebody to talk to. Is maybe roots the person for it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we haven't talked about Shaw yet and the role that she played in this episode, and she gave some. She always gives some nice comedic relief because she's been put in these situations where she's extremely uncomfortable. She's having to answer phones and work at a an office, and it only got exciting and happy for her when they started punching each other, which I thought, of course, that was what she would enjoy, and it was quite comical. These writers love fish-out-of-water stories. We had uh, yeah. Fusco trying to be the ladies' man, and now we've got uh, <laughs> Shaw trying to be the happy uh, political, you know, pay, vote for my guy. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, got all his hair or something. Yeah, he's been using Rogaine for years. It shows he has insight. <laughs> or uh, some was it insight, whatever the word was she used, yeah. Yeah, she had, she, uh, again, and then finally, oh, this is a, uh, and they start duking it out. This is an election I could get into. You know, what, what, yeah, again, comic relief, great comic relief, but she can turn it on when she needs to. Yeah. And they've always got her in good positions. I, I, she's a great character. Uh, I liked it that she got the number this week. John wasn't really happy about that, which made it, made it uh, enjoyable as well. But, you know, she's able to, to, to be a fly on the wall in situations where, where he's not. And so I, I, I like that they have both of them as assets in their, in their gun cabinet, if you will, <laughs> that they can pull out and use in specific situations. Well, we had talked last season about how the stage was getting rather crowded. Uh, and, you know, we taking out uh, Detective Carter was possibly a necessary thing, mm-hmm. but Team Machine was getting pretty darn big. And I think they have done with this season, I think they've done a good job of kind of sidelining a lot of, you know, we don't have five people, you know, all going after this one number. We have some issues with John Reese trying to be a good cop, with uh, Harold trying to teach his class while, you know, being as 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 connected as he can possibly can. So now Shaw, it really falls to her more now to deal with these sort of things. And Fusco is... As we're seeing now, we're we're kind of back to it. Used to be they just call Fusco and say, "Hey, we need this," and mm. then he gets back with them. But now, you know, we're you're starting to see a little more uh, the backstory, or not the backstory so much, but uh, the the real life that's going on at the same time. And he has things he's got to deal with. So Shaw is almost taking the Reese uh, position at this point, and I, I like the fact that they've 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 done that. So we didn't have, like I said, so crowded a stage. Okay, but that gets me into a point I wanted to talk about at some point. So let's let's throw it out there. The the stage is crowded. We had a couple of lines in this episode. One was in reference to the machine. She was supposed to remake the world. This is Root now. She was supposed to remake the world. Now God's on the run. And Harold corrected her and said that it's not a deity. And... I don't know if it was Root or if it was Harold said things are about to get are going to get much darker. And in that conversation, Root mentioned that she was really willing to die for the machine. We see when when it, we get to the climax of the episode, the great shootout scene between TX and Root, uh, which was just TX. perfect. That was just awesome shooting through the balcony and the, the floor and <laughs> running through the elevator. That was just great. But you know, Root Root takes a, a bullet or two at that at that point, and we 
we didn't know if she was alive and they gave it to us at the end of the episode, obviously, which I thought they were going to leave it hanging out there for a week. I would, yeah, I was wondering if she was going to make it or not. Yeah, I thought you and I would be talking tonight on whether or not she was still alive, but I think the I was, conversa- I thought I'd be having to console you, you know, yeah. because uh, you know, <laughs> <Right>. she's gone. <laughs> yeah, but I think the conversation is still worth having, and that is, who will die? She told Harold, there's no way we can all expect to make it out of this alive. Now, that could just be a drama thing and, hey, team machine, the machine finds a way to save them all and, and they beat the odds. That could happen. But but it could also be just kind of a, a, a foreshadowing to the audience that they're not all going to make it through this alive. So what, what do you think? I, Are, do we have a big uh, a big team here so that there can be some thinning out and, and still have a team left? <laughs> <laughs> have some people to carry the show. I think uh, I think the writers are telling us it's it's going to happen. We have seen with Detective Carter that they're not afraid to take out a main character, right? And I don't think that I don't I don't think this writing team is 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 satisfied with the easy answers with the and they all lived happily ever after kind of thing. This is not once upon a time. So I, th- I I really think that somebody and I think they were trying to telegraph either either telegraph that it's going to be root or misdirect that it's you know going to be her, but I really do think probably by the end of this um, this season we lose another one. I think that's a, I think that's a definite possibility. Okay, and who do you want to place some bets on on who you think it could be or will be? Well, you know if it's if it's not root, and I think they were trying to get you to say, you know, to, to, to get the impression that it is or get you ready for it. But if it's not root, I would say Shaw. I can't see them taking out either Finch or Reese. I mean, that's the that's the dynamic duo. Fusco, mm, I just I, I, I still don't think as 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 much as we have gotten to love him over the, you know, four years, three and a half years or so. I just don't see that as being quite as as impacting to the audience as either Root or Shaw. So it's one of those two is it would be my prediction. Do you have do you have a, a prediction on that one or are you you just I don't want Root. Is that <laughs> Yeah, I do. I I have the same conclusion that you do for most of the same reasons. I don't think they're going to get rid of Harold or Reese. I think those two characters are pretty secure. They're the original characters. Um, I don't think they'll get rid of Fusco because they already got rid of their other police officer connection and they need to maintain him for that. So that leaves Root and Shaw and Shaw is enough of a character like Reese that I think that she would be the one to lose and, and for, for the whole dynamic of the show what they do and what role each character plays or what they can do with that character in certain situations it seems like reese or shaw would be the ones to lose but if i had to pick between the two i would i would say shaw oh yeah i would i would say root just because they're getting you're getting to see her much more deeply at this point and i'm Mm -hmm. thinking that's kind of the setup uh, if they were get rid of shaw i would hope that they would before that give us a little more background about her uh, lack of emotion, you know. We've touched on it a little bit last mm-hmm. season, yep. and to either either overcome that, 
you know, kind of redeem that situation before uh, they take her out. But I think that's what they're doing with Root and breaking down her cockiness in a sense. And so she doesn't have as much of a uh, connection to the machine. And so I think that, that, that would be – so that's my vote and your vote, Joe, huh? Yeah, and POI Peaks, who's joining us here in the live show, he or she is, is saying Shaw, unfortunately, because the, because Shaw has the most – you know, quote unquote, hurt value, uh, aside from the two main characters. So, well, hopefully it doesn't Very come nice. to that, but with that, with that line being thrown out this week, it certainly would seem like they're preparing the audience for the death of a beloved character at some point. I hope it's and, not root. You know, how much no. I love her. <laughs> and at the very end of this, you know, we've had these flashbacks to October, November, and December of 2001. Uh-huh. And then at the very end, Finch has got to go out and find a security camera because he looks at it and says directly to the camera, it's time we had a talk, you and I. Yeah. And that, you know, that's really kind of ominous. I mm-hmm. think he is, you know, we're, we've we've got, like I said, with, with the new backstory about how he had all those different versions they had to take out. Because of what it, what they tried to do, and his, like I said, Finch's uh, law on AIs—they only have objectives; they don't make friends. Well, then, this is you know we're 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 paying that off at this point very quickly, and he has to deal with that situation. Uh, he's I guess he's afraid of where it's going to go. And again, I think this is ramping up to a, you know, a clash of the titans. That may take both of them out, but that's uh, but this is you know the beginnings of that. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Whether it will be a a season long battle or uh, multiple seasons, I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll be a mid season battle that's solved. I think it'll be a season long battle at at the very least. But it's good to see, man. It's so good and exciting to see. You know him look at the camera and say, "You and I need to talk." I mean, that was one where I wanted to jump out up out of my chair and pump my fist and go, "Yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> because he's he's been slowly getting back engaged. He's got the new library, and and but now he's that's him saying, "All right, I'm all I'm all in. I'm not just support. I'm all in," and that's yeah, that's really yeah, yeah. exciting. By the way, we got some more conversation in the chat room here on who would be the uh, person that might die. There's some great conversation about Shaw dying as a result of trying to save Root. That would be that would be good. Um, Karen also says that she thinks Root would be able to be killed because Finch is her counterpart. He's a, he's able to do what she does, and so therefore she has. We could lose her, um, which is a good point. But the, the difference between Root and and Harold has been her loyalty to follow the machine off of a cliff if it asked her to do so, and he has not been able to do that. And her ability to to do, cap some knees or do more if the machine asked her to do that, and Harold would not do that. But having said that, I could I could see maybe a change in Harold's um, point of view. This could be another, just like when um, when Ingram was killed was a turning point for him. Perhaps this episode will be another turning point for him. And I think too that the uh, what we saw of the backstory, the new backstory where we had uh, you know bad be- badly behaved AIs, gives us more of a 
of a motivation for Harold not to trust the machine like Root has all this time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this was the, you know, this is part of the plan all, all along, that this had been happening, that sort of thing. But it does give us a good, uh, a good reasoning for why Harold will not jump off a cliff for the machine, because it's not entirely trusting of it. Right, and with as good reason as you just said. All right, so the episode, are we ready to talk about the ending? The I know we talked about Harold's ending there, but we've got a couple other things here with our POI and with Greer. Are you ready to, to touch on those? Let's do it. All right. Well, with our POI, he is convinced because Harold Cardinal visits him that he was wrong. <laughs> he was mistaken. He got his number numbers wrong. He thinks he misremembered them because Shaw and Harold have taken care of the hard and soft copies of his data. Poor guy. That was classic. That was classic. I loved Harold's, he said we lobotomized the guy, which is a great <laughs> way of putting it. Do you think there's a chance we'll see him again? He's obviously a, a, a smart guy, good with numbers, great actor. So you think there's a chance we see him again or no? I hope so. I think that they have set him up as somebody, at, at one point you see that Samaritan considers him a threat. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of hoping that even though he has been, you know, like I said, lobotomized, he don't lo no longer, you know, thinks all of this was some grand conspiracy. That may still be in the back of his mind. Man, I knew that was, no, I couldn't possibly, I, I, I couldn't have possibly been that wrong. I'm waiting for him to to come back. I just like, uh, and I can't remember her name from uh, Nautilus, that, that uh, mm -hmm. Samaritan had kind mm -hmm. of... Got, getting ready so i maybe we're getting some more people maybe we are going to get some more uh you know, people on team machine team samaritan that sort of thing if not at least uh a poi a poi that we revisit in the future i think that would be i think it'd be great i like i like the character yeah definitely i'm agree with i'm 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 agree with you or i'm in agreement with you or i agree with you take your pick c two of those are grammatically I'll accurate i chose the one that's not that's how All I roll. Of the above. Yeah. All right. What about Greer? What you? What were your thoughts? I was I was shocked that he came out at the very end to the lieutenant government now or governor now the governor and presented himself to him and gosh just I'm scared now, dude. He said they had fifty what fifty three fifty eight fifty eight yeah all over the country at all levels of government. Wow, that is scary, no, man. What are they gonna do? When I saw him, I was like, where has he been? You know, I haven't seen too much of Greer. Yeah. And he's a, you know, a major player now. So, but yeah, I was, I was like, oh man, this is just what we needed. Now, to have, to have Samaritan, the question is, is Greer telling Samaritan to do this? Or is Samaritan, like, Samaritan doing this and Greer is just going in to help, you know, take care of it? Because we have seen Greer say, okay, what are your commands? He's asking the you know the Samaritan machine to tell him what to do. Well, the Terminator so, lady asked him, or she even said this was brilliant. And he says it wasn't me; it was it was Samaritan's idea. Hmm. So that's what that's what scares me is that as as good as Greer was to even get to the position he's in, the machine the, the, not the machine Samaritan is the is the one that's pulling the strings here with that. What does it have in mind for those of you who like a good conspiracy? <laughs> and I like a good conspiracy from time to time. I'm not a conspiracy nut, but I, particularly in, in storytelling like we have here, a good conspiracy is awesome. But for those of you who like a good conspiracy and are convinced that it doesn't matter which party is in control of the White House, there is an under 
uh, there's an undercurrent uh, uh, or a, a secret society of people who are actually in control of all things government and all that stuff. Um, th- this this is what that reminds me of. It doesn't matter sh- who wins these the elections. Shadow government, yeah, there's, yeah. There's a shadow government that is that all these people are straw men. They're puppets, and with the machine, or excuse me, I don't want to say the machine. It is a machine. It's not the machine. If Samaritan is the one with its hands up all these puppets, that is terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> and and that just brings us even more of a reason to have the machine come up against Samaritan itself and try to take down this this puppeteering that it is doing. But, you know, how do you do that when you have, you know, full control of all the, at least of New York City? Now, this was... It's interesting, too, because this is all just New York City that the the feeds are coming in on. How far away does Samaritan's influence extend? How far how far away does uh, the machine's influence extend? I guess it can get at, you know, it has the New York feeds, but it's also got the Internet to deal with, and so it can pick out whatever's on the Internet. Right. Well, they so did say, I believe, it- that they had the 53 people. Uh, I, I understood to be all over the country. And all yeah. and and in all levels of government, is that what you understood too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So I guess it's it's got some, you know, it's got what we have seen here was just a microcosm of what it's been doing all over the country. So yeah, in you know different different races, and not to be too obvious, you know, but you know, you know, all of these and all all of the governors, or maybe you know that that would be, that would raise too many red flags if all of the governor races, you know, were really weirdly polled and didn't come out the way they thought. So. Yeah, I mean, it's trying to stay hidden as much as Team Machine is. Well, and it should, because the the last command we see of Samaritan is, find the machine. And it calls it the machine. How it about does, that? yeah. <sighs> yeah. Such a good so episode, man. It had everything that I look for in this show. Questions, well, you're making me, uh, you're making me want and, to change my rating. Oh, yeah, man. well, I... It, it, and I'm tempted to put mine at a nine point five because it it is there are episodes that I still rank above this, but I I don't know what to why I would rank it at a nine point five. It was just great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you got to watch Person of Interest all the way through the yeah. last five minutes. Yowza! Yeah, definitely. Can't wait for next week. Alrighty. Well, we have some. If we hadn't already got you, you know. Worried about uh, those cameras in next to uh, next to the TV and uh, next to the uh, traffic lights and all that. Uh, we had a CNN story forwarded to us by Twitter user Pellucid P E L L U C I D, and the headline is U.S. Navy could swarm foes with robot boats. So. We have the U.S. Navy getting ready to swarm its adversaries. The Office of Naval Research released video. And if you go to the link in the show notes, you'll see uh, this video of tests conducted back in August that show five drone boats swarming a vessel that posed a threat to a Navy ship. The U.S. Navy is unleashing a new era in advanced ship protection, the service says in the video, controlled by what Navy calls Control Architecture for Robotic Agent Command and Sensing, or Caracas. <laughs> a, yeah, nice. A sensor. Yes, you like that? Uh, you, well I think done. It's, um, yeah. yeah. We're going to take, uh, take a vacation in Caracas, yeah. A sensor and software kit that is transferable among small vessels, which is to say they can put it on any boat. 
It doesn't have to be a specially designed boat. Uh, a fleet of more than a dozen small unmanned boats cruise along the James River in Virginia, setting up a protective screen on a Navy research ship. When a threatening vessel is detected, five boats break off to confront it. One developer likened the robot boats to guard dogs that could swim around a warship and detect threats before they come within striking range. And like dogs, the robot boats actually think for themselves, with their software choosing the best route for each boat to confront a threatening vessel. So, yeah, now, now the drone boats could be armed to fire on adversaries, but fire control would be, can be, be controlled by a sailor on an accompanying warship, so they wouldn't be able to actually shoot on their own, you know, their own, uh, their own, uh, shoot on their own anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and the system allows the Navy to save some money because you don't have to have special boats to deploy it. The boats used in the demonstration came from, uh, just came from the inventory that Navy, the Navy had for, uh, for ships. So, hmm. wow. That's cool. So that's a good thing. You know, it's another nice use of artificial intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming Samaritan doesn't get control of them, too, and just runs the Navy now. That would be, yeah. Although you'd think they would do better if they were not armed, but instead they were finned. They could defend better. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here just tonight. That's all you can tolerate. Just tonight. Uh, thank you, Doug. That's a good article. Thank you for Pellucid to, for sending that in to us. All right, you ready to do some feedback? I'm ready to feed on feedback. All right, we got some good stuff again this week, as we always do. We have such good listeners to the podcast, and in great thoughts each week. Thank you guys Amen. for doing that. All right, this comes in from Doc. Or is that Doc H? I <laughs> can't even remember. <laughs> Doc. Or maybe it's or maybe maybe it's Dutch. It's I don't Dutch. Know. Hey, this comes in from Dutch. Uh, Dutch says some just some bullet thoughts this week for a review of POI on October twenty first, twenty fourteen. I need I need to get a sound effect of a of a bullet being shot here. You know, oh yeah, we thoughts. definitely should have that. Uh, one hitting a kneecap, which should probably be on quick. <laughs> you know, Find it on the CBS site. <laughs> All right, Dutch says this episode is so opposite of Gangsta Brotherhood episodes we have seen lately. That shows some serious writing savvy and production value changing gears in midstream to represent two totally different factions in the Big Apple. My biggest what the heck moment was that backup arrived on the roof in the initial Suicide by Cop segment. Reese raised the Q&A with Lionel. My immediate solution, oh, Samaritan is sniffing closer to Team Machine Ops. I looked at some of the surveillance and cause-effect scenes, and I'm certain that Samaritan sees Team Machine. However, the machine still has enough server influence on Samaritan for the desired outcome, a la Star Wars and Obi-Wan, as this is not the Team Machine you're looking for. <laughs> I think he's right on that. He says, I think that Samaritan is rapidly gaining ground on the machine. Team Machine is getting flustered, and that is why Root is starting to get new calm and that Samaritan is wielding new weapons like Greer's Terminatrix gal. Plus, the Psyche Val gal is too convenient to the plotline to be anything but influenced by Team Greer. I hadn't thought about that. That's a yeah. very, very interesting uh, observation. Yep, I like it. Maybe she is the remnants of HR who made a deal with the devil, Elias or Samaritan, and is looking to clean house in the NYPD. 
I hope not. I, at least in the HR respect, I hope we're done with that. You know, I wasn't a big mm. fan of that anyway. He goes on to say, the level of emotional intimacy between Amy Acker and Michael Emerson in this episode was unprecedented. Her physical comfort at changing clothes in the line of sight of Finch was the first clue to familiarity. But then the claims of fondness, appreciation, and respect for one another dropped the two-ton anchor in the POI sand just offshore. This new bond is a pylon that they will have to pivot around for the rest of the series. I'm glad she didn't get whacked so soon after her Honest Abe moment. Another early conversation that rang true all hour long was the baby bird imprinting thread. I thought initially that it applied more to Root and her relationship with the machine, and then later it seemed to apply a lot to Samaritan imprinting the machine. Then, in flashback, that imprinting thread seemed to apply to the machine taking its life lessons from Harold. And finally, Emerson gave another great acting clinic to whoever was watching. Absolutely. The shout-out with Terminator Gal versus Root really fed the genre of Assassin's Ball, Smoke and Aces, and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Awesome. <laughs> I admire how the case of the week has been bleeding out early, and they are going an extra 10 minutes, give or take, to the overall myth arc. In the words of John Riley Reese, mm-hmm. uh, we'll call him Reese, uh, therapy only works if you don't have to lie the whole time. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> and that's from Dutch. All righty. Well, yeah. we have one from Andrew here, and Andrew made it to the chat room this evening he had to leave i think i don't see him recently but anyway here's what he said he said a really packed episode once it got going michael emerson and amy acker carried the bulk of it they had a lot of great stuff in the first three episodes and here was the heaviest yet for them probably out of the whole season thus far their second subway scene had such a nice light-hearted team hacking start then it pulled back the root veneer a bit, one of those vulnerable moments I always love, and came back to the humorous side to close. They can go through such different tones in a single conversation. Along those lines, their clash later in the episode caught me off guard, like the one in Root Path from the last season. A smaller root moment I love is near the end of the hotel sequence when she says, Kill me if you can. It's a neat line in itself, blending youthful playfulness with a deadly scenario. And considering that Sam Groves began connecting more with computers than with people before adolescence, I think the line shows that she's still growing on the human side. The flashbacks were great and darker than I expected, adding to the AI dilemma. How there was also a threat about Reese being so determined to save people shows how capable the writers are. Amazing work by Lucas O'Connor. Now I'm off to find a good mechanic. Alrighty. Guess Root got a hold of his car. Oh man! Oh, that's true. Oh, she must have stolen his. Sorry about that, dude. Yeah, it's a bummer. It happens. Oh, good stuff. And and he's right. You know, talking about all the different little pieces we got written into this episode. They really have an amazing writing staff on this show. And the growth of the characters across, especially Root, because she was a you know kind of a late addition, mm-hmm. not as late as Shaw, but a late addition to the crowd. And wasn't always when we even after we did see her, she wasn't always in every episode. Uh, just a very few of them, but we have still seen such a change in the character, a growth, as you will, if you will, and not only with the character, but in also her relationships. Right. All right. We have one more this week, and it's an audio feedback from Barb. Here it is. 
Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's POI Epi Profits. I'm giving this one 9.9 bullet-ridden balconies. Not only did I thoroughly enjoy the number of the week story, but I really enjoyed the tantalizing backstory and the new information we learned about Samaritan, as well as the interactions between Finch and Root. I think this is my favorite Epi so far. Wow, wow, wow. You guys will probably do a two-hour-plus podcast on all the meat in this epi, so I'm only going to comment on the AI portion, the machines. We saw how Harold put so much effort into making his machine, our machine, care about people, so that it would look for people, our numbers, to save. Harold wasn't initially interested in that, but realized the importance of it after his partner was killed. His first machine iterations lied to him, tried to kill him, and attempted to destroy rival machine strains. Harold thought he could control the machine by resetting it each night, but Root changed that. She kicked the baby bird out of its nest so that it could grow up. I think the machine is just as much on the run as our team is. Root said the machine was still young and learning, so the machine would be like a scared young adult right now. Almost Human, the Fox TV show, which was canceled after one season, had a lead AI android named Dorian. And there was one key line he spoke during that series. I was made to feel. And I think that is exactly what Harold did for our machine. The Samaritan machine, on the other hand, seems to have embodied all the negative aspects that Harold worked so hard to eliminate from his creation. At the end of the epi, the Samaritan machine didn't want to eliminate our team as its priority. It wanted to find the other machine, and I think it wants to eliminate it. I have said that I believe that we will have an epic battle between the machines with our team as support and I believe that even more strongly after this epi. The Samaritan machine is using Martine as an unemotional killer. She is mechanical in her movements. The way she cocked her head as she listened to her instructions was extremely robotic. She is the human version of their machine, and we are able to see the differences between her and our team and can quickly understand how the machines differ. Root was correct to tell Harold that he needed to go back to his machine and that the machine does care about the team. The machine has continued to protect and aid our team even as it has gone into hiding itself. But if it does have the ability to care and feel, then it needs to know that it is appreciated and needed if it is to continue to help them. Harold can no longer spurn his invention. Can't wait to see the results of the Mama Bird Baby Bird reunion. That's it for this week. This is Barb signing out and avoiding hotel balconies, at least until election season is over. <laughs> Great sign off. There were so many political ads during, you know, between the uh, the, the acts in this show. It just seemed so appropriate. Yeah, uh, I'll be glad when it's over. I think we got two, uh, two calls from one of our congressmen uh, tonight alone. So, Oh, man. Um so she says that she's siding with with Root's point with of view Root, with the machine, yeah. yeah, which which is important to note. And you know, I guess I'll I'll come back to it at, at this with this point of view. I still am going to go with Harold's point of view, where the, you can't trust the machine. But maybe after all those iterations, what he said, forty three of them, and one of them, you know, was the one that, that's out there. Maybe he finally got it right. After all that trial and error, starting over and all that stuff, maybe he did get it right. But 
I just can't, I can't believe it yet because he did have it chained up for a reason. He did have it deleting its memory each night for a reason. And I think that's, that's how he was able to keep it under control. And when it outsmarted him and all the other things that have happened since then, I just, I got to go with Harold. I, we can't trust the machine. We have to fear the machine. You're, you're nothing to the machine. Yeah. It, uh, it, it escaped both, um, software wise and physically. Mm-hmm. We don't even know where the, uh, the hardware is for it anymore. So that's yeah, right. no, that's There's gotta be, there's gotta be a healthy dose of, uh, skepticism there. And, uh, also, uh, Barb, I don't know if we could get people to listen to two hours of us. I don't know. It just seems like <laughs> a little it. much. Yeah. I don't think so. Maybe Barb could. She listens to just about everything that we do. She's awesome. And not just because she listens to us and a lot of other <laughs> stuff. She's, you must have a whale of a commute. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we want to hear from you next week as we talk about next week's episode, which is entitled... Pretenders. Mm. And I wonder you if know, we're going to walk it's, 500 it's, it's, miles next week. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, there was an episode, there was a TV show called The Pretender. And it was about a guy who could, he was he was raised in order to be able to kind of morph into a different person and everywhere he went, you know, he could be a doctor over here, he could be a pilot, he can learn this stuff. And I was thinking that this week's episode of Person of Interest almost was like one of those. That's exactly what mm-hmm. Ruth's doing. She's yep. just slipping in and out of different uh, personas. You have to be one person, Harold. I got to be a thousand. Well, I wonder if this has uh, some callback to that, but it's called Pretenders, Reese. Meets his biggest fan. Yeah. Uh, Reese, Shaw, and Fusco must protect an unassuming office worker who stumbles into a dangerous conspiracy while moonlighting as a fake detective. Meanwhile, Finch travels to Hong Kong as part of his academic cover identity. So, there we go. We've got, and now, in, as far as the recurring cast, we have listed Elias Greer, Scarface, which I think is... An Elias henchman. I mm-hmm. think that's right. I think that's right. And Minnie. So maybe we get back to the Brotherhood next uh, week. Oh, the Brotherhood is perhaps. We, we're still not sure on these recurring cast billings if they are each episode or just kind of they could be recurring because we did have Elias billed as recurring in an episode that he didn't actually appear in. And that could be that he was going to be there and got cut, which would still cause him to get a credit, I think. So ah. uh, I, I'm not, not 100% on that, but. We'll find out next week. It seems to me that the this this uh, unassuming office worker who is a fake detective. I looked down at the guest cast, and Eric Jensen plays a character named Walter. And this description of this uh, this unassuming office worker really sounds to me like Walter Mitty. And I'm wondering if that's who uh, that's who was this character was named after. If that's the one, but I'm pretty sure it is. So that would be interesting. Yes, you know, this guy, he just has these dreams about doing so much more than he's actually doing. And so he be, becomes this detective and then he stumbles into a, you know, a, bit, of a bit of a sticky wicket. Uh-huh. That'd be cool. Uh, you can send in your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, there's a few ways to do that. You can call 304-837-2278. That's the Golden Spiral Media voice feedback line or... Head over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback and leave your feedback that way too. You can leave your feedback for any Golden Spiral Media podcast by those two methods, 304-837-2278 or goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. You can also join us on Twitter at POI Podcast GSM. 
That's POI Podcast GSM. I am Mar Daryl. That's with an M like Mary, two R's and two L's. That's how you can follow me on Twitter. Or Doug is Doug Payton with an A. A? What are you, Canadian? (laughs) (laughs) My dad was born in Canada. There you go. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. I've seen you drink milk out of a bag. Um, or you can join us on Facebook. Uh, just search for Person of Interest Podcast, and we are the Person of Interest Podcast group on Facebook. That We'd love to us. have you join us over there. We have some great conversations about the show throughout the week, so join us over there. All right, Doug, are we ready to put a beautiful bow tie on this episode? A nice big red bow. Mm, I said a bow tie. I didn't mean a bow tie. I meant just a bow. Although bow ties are cool. They are. They're cool. They're very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Version of Interest podcast. I'm Daryl. And until next time, try to avoid using abandoned subway cars, or I guess even currently in use subway cars as changing rooms. Oh, then turn off the lights. And I'm Doug saying if your number comes up, we hope there's a, a root in a suit watching over you. She's not lost. She's scared. <laughs> <laughs>